You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here and welcome back to Parenting Our Future. Okay, we are going to just have some fun today. So I just want you to sit back with a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, a glass of wine, whatever you want. And we're just here to have some fun and talk to a beautiful actress, Renee Felice Smith. And I want to tell you all about her. You probably already know her from NCISLA, but I want to tell you just a little bit more about her. And then we're going to talk about one of the sweetest books that you will ever read and a little bit more about her as well. So Renee Felice Smith, welcome. Uh, she is an acclaimed actress and producer and director and writer. She recently released her debut children's book, which is why she's here, called Hugo and the Impossible Thing, which is via Flamingo Books and Penguin Random House, which is important to note. We, we got to give credit where credit's due. Um, and uh-huh. she was inspired by her real life French bulldog, Hugo, and his battle with a brain tumor. And we're going to talk about your sweet puppy. Um, and uh, she so Renee really she you will know her from NCIS LA where she plays Nell Jones and uh and so there's there's some stuff we're going to talk about with NCIS LA because some big things happened this season for for you for your character yes Yes. and Mm -hmm. uh and so again with with your book your book came out on uh March the 30th and it is a beautiful beautiful art work of art the artwork thank is you beautiful. the the dog you. hugo is the cutest thing in the world in that book thank you and this thank really you. is something for parents and for like really for kids of all ages this book it is a beautiful inspirational story and i really enjoyed reading it so i just want to say thank you for being here i'm so happy to have you here renee thank, thank you, you so robin much. thank yeah. you so much robin thank you for having me i i'm, oh. I'm honored um, to talk with you in this way, obviously, about our little book. Here, yeah. here it is. There you go. The Impossible Thing. Oh, um, yeah, we, um, you know, we wrote the book as a celebration, really, once Hugo, our Frenchie, um, our, our beloved canine son, we always referred to him as our son. Uh, we are not parents of, uh, human children, but we do have dog children, um, which I very much feel like, you know, yes, I didn't birth him, but I loved him mm-hmm. in that way. I had that bond in that way. Um, anyhow, so it was a celebration after Hugo had recovered from what we were told would be this impossible illness, you know, this, this, um, inoperable brain tumor. Uh, and, and really, honestly, it it was a miracle to watch. Um, it was a long, hard journey, but Hugo eventually made it to the other side of his impossible thing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and he lived a full life. He made a full recovery and he lived for another, almost three years after his initial diagnosis as a fully functioning wild boy. <laughs> uh, so back to his uh, crazy self. Uh, <laughs> back to his crazy Frenchy ways. Um, yeah, we were so excited when he started 
uh, growling on walks. Uh, you know, he had massive leash aggression. Obviously, this isn't a positive thing. No. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, luckily, our other two don't have leash aggression, uh, but he did. He was just an alpha in every every sense of the word. So once he had started. Um, you know, after his treatment and once he had started kind of like falling back on those bad habits, we were like, he's back <laughs> and he's back. <laughs> we were so overjoyed the first time he like growled at another dog on a walk, you know, from a distance. Yeah. We were like, oh, that's him. This is our little feisty guy, you know? Oh, that's um, so great. Yeah. So anyhow, the book is really it was a celebration. We wrote it after he had healed. Um, mm. And we knew we wanted to share his message. Uh, we knew he had a very inspiring message. Mm. And we needed to find a way to do that. Obviously, we didn't want to write a picture book about a dog with a brain tumor. Uh, that is just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But um, but we felt that, you know, everyone has their own impossible thing, whatever that looks like, looks like for you and your life, you know, um, it can kind of map onto kind of everyone's life, whether it's a challenge with school, a challenge your kids are facing in school, whether it's a challenge you're facing career wise, family wise, relationship wise, um, health wise, we all have our impossible thing. And, and how do we get to the other side? Is there a way, right? And then also the other goal was to kind of reframe the word impossible. Because mm. I think a lot of times, Chris and I wrote the book together, I should say that too. Chris, my partner, my other half, my creative mm. partner, writing partner, everything partner. Yeah. Um, yeah, he and I wrote the book together. And, you know, we had talked a lot about reframing this word impossible, because when Hugo was first mm. diagnosed, Basically, every single person we talked to, every doctor we talked to, the, the resounding kind of, you know, common denominator was that mm -hmm. this was kind of the end of the road. You know, they had given him a very short amount of time to live, and we just couldn't accept that without exploring further, right? So we really wanted to reframe the word impossible. Um, as something that may be extremely difficult, but possibly possible, if mm. we're willing to try and go to the end of the road, right? And, and, and see for ourselves. Um, and we knew we needed to do that for him, you know, advocating for him. We needed to see it through to the end and see, is there anything else we can do? You know, what, what can we do to support him? And, and so that is, yeah, that's the inspiration for the book. That's kind of the abbreviated story. Well, it's interesting because it's almost parallel journeys. If, if I can be so bold as to, as to Please. say, it, because your journey was the impossible thing too, to find him because you were coming up against, which I'm sure was devastating doctor or vet after vet after vet saying, nope, nope. Nope. Can't do it. Can't do it. How did you even find a doctor to help him or a vet? A doctor vet. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, they are both. They're both things. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, a, a dear friend of mine, actually, Eric Olson, who, um, uh, is my coworker at NCISLA for the past 10 plus years. He is a huge animal lover and mm. he is, you know, a dog dad and he, um, 
he had the recommendation. He was the first person I called, to be perfectly honest, when we found out that Hugo was diagnosed and, uh, you know, he, he led us to kind of mm. the specialist in LA that then led us to another specialist in San Francisco. Um, it was really kind of this, for lack of a better word, yellow brick road journey that we had to take to find the people who were willing to help. Um, mm. And also it was a ton of research on Chris and my part outside of really what the, informa the information we were getting from the vet. Um, we had to do so much research ourselves mm. and the, and surprising, unsurprisingly, I should say, there's not a lot of um, success stories mm. uh, for, for animals in this situation. And so we really were kind of like carving our own path. You know, we, we did the radiation and after radiation, he still couldn't walk and we were just racking our brains. Our doctor really couldn't figure it out. And then we realized he must have fluid trapped in his brain. So in actuality, the tumor had completely disappeared. It like radiation was, it was incredible. Our doctor like did an incredible job with that. And the tumor completely disappeared. There was no evidence of tumor on his MRI recheck, but in, in its place was a bunch of fluid that had no way of getting out of the brain. So it was essentially like almost sinking the, the mm. brain, right? Yeah. So we sought out this amazing doctor in San Francisco who essentially put a little tube in his brain and rerouted that fluid into the muscle in his abdomen. And they used a pediatric tube, a three, a, a pediatric tube for a child that's like two to three years old, because that was kind of Hugo's weight range. <laughs> and the doctor herself, the surgeon, Bev Sturgis uh, at UC Davis drove to the pediatric hospital to get the right uh, shunt, it's called. Uh, mm. It sounds like a very, you know, kind of scary term. <laughs> yeah. A shunt in the brain. When she was telling us the procedure, we're like, okay. Um, yeah. But she was willing to do it. No one else in California was willing to try. Bev yeah. was willing to try. And we knew that this was his only option. We needed to get the fluid out and we needed to get it out really quickly. Mm. Um, and she did it as sort of this emergency surgery. And one day later they called us, we were up there, we were staying at a little hotel, just kind of waiting, you know, to hear. And he came out of this seven hour surgery. She said, it went beautifully. Let's see what happens. Let's let him heal in ICU. And he popped up hmm. almost 12 hours after a surgery standing in his kennel. And it was a uh, I'm going to get choked up, <laughs> but, um, he hadn't stood on his own for 10 months. So when you have an animal that can't walk on their own and you're, you know, you're their lifeline, um, it was truly incredible mm. to, to witness him learn to walk again. He, he actually, um, when he started walking again, he, he could only walk backwards Aww. and, 
he was essentially moonwalking. It was so cute. And we were like, we'll take it whatever direction he wants to go in. He's doing it on his own. This is incredible. And so um, he, that was for about the first, you know, I don't even probably the first five or 10 minutes that he was walking. He was just kept kind of going backwards. We're like, okay, dude, this is kind of a new move. This is fun. Well, okay, we're going backwards. Why not? And, and then the neuro pathways had to kind of like relearn that forward motion. And so we just started moving his paws in the forward motion. And then by the end of the day, he was like running on his own. It was so incredible. It Um, it sounds miraculous. Wow. It really was, but we wouldn't have gotten there if we didn't have, you know, if we, if we, if we hadn't advocated and, Mm. and really done the research and then also, uh, you know, found this incredible person who believed she could help. Um, and so she's represented in the story. We think of her as Miss Otter, um, because she was just the most skilled out of all of, of Hugo's helper friends. Um, and his physical therapist is represented through, um, Little Fox, uh, yeah, Gina Kwong, um, his physical therapist who, who really make, helped him make the full recovery. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the story. That's incredible. And, you know, you said, you said a bunch of things that I, I wanted to, to address because mm. you said with the research, surprisingly, but not surprisingly, there isn't a lot out there. Uh, And it makes sense because not everybody would be in the position or have the knowledge that they could save their animal or even be able to afford it because I'm sure that was a big expense, right? So I think perhaps that Hugo's story and Hugo's experience will help many other of our beautiful animals having that experience now documented. I hope so. I, I really do. Actually, this is great. So uh, at UC Davis, it's a teaching hospital. Um, and there was a uh, graduate student who was assisting the surgeon, Bev Sturgis, who's just a complete rock star. She's like one of the best neurosurgeons in the United States. <laughs> uh, and she's the person who performed his surgery. Uh, she a veterinary. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, like, wow. no, 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 no. Wow. Veterinary. So yeah, UC Davis veterinary, um, hospital also is a teaching hospital. So okay. anyone who wants to become a vet goes there and they receive incredible training. And so, um, Dr. Uh, uh, Vishal, he assisted Bev and he was like a kid in a candy shop. He <laughs> it was very sweet because he was so uh, excited about kind of like the newness of this procedure. And it really was kind of very groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And they documented it. And now it's part of her lesson plan. And she shows videos of Hugo when she gets to this syringomyelia is the condition where the fluid gets trapped in the brain. So when she kind of, you know, uh, gets to that lesson, uh, Hugo's part of that. It's truly incredible. Also, it's, he, he's such an inspiring boy. I mean, yeah. our physical therapist's assistant actually 
ended up using him and his story as part of her, um, you know, uh, application on her essay, her application for veterinary school at UC Davis. And she got into UC Davis and now he inspired her to go to veterinary school uh, because she, <laughs> she, she got to see his full recovery and kind of, you know, the ways in which you can support the animal while they're trying to make the recovery. Um, you know, we did all the things, CBD, Chinese herbs, okay, acupuncture, yeah. um, physical therapy, Reiki. Um, honestly, we, yeah, we were open to it all. And yeah. I think the combination of all of those things, also food therapy, mm. we, um, we completely changed everything our dogs ate and we started cooking mm. for them. Um, we learned so much about packaged dog food. <laughs> I bet. Uh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, you know, a one, one a brilliant um, acupuncturist that uh, described it to me as like, imagine if you lived your entire life on crackers. Oh. How nutritious do you, crackers that are sprinkled with vitamins, how nutritious do you think that oh. is for you as a, as a, as a human? And then translate, and then you go, that's essentially you know, so I was like, oh God, yeah, but my grandma's dog ate kibble their whole life and they lived. And yeah. she was like, well, your grandma's dog, that was before they were pumping it with this, 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 mm -hmm. this, and this. So that, it, that was a huge kind of development. And um, we started eating cleaner ourselves. We mm. started checking labels on everything we were eating ourselves. It, it, it influenced our life like in every aspect of our life, he, mm. he influenced our life. Um, he taught us a lot. He taught us a lot about caring for ourselves, really. Yeah. yeah. That's really beautiful. And really the overarching message from mm. what I hear you talk about and also from the book is it takes a village, right? And oh, all of these helpers, goodness. right? You don't do these things. You don't uh, overcome the impossible on your own. Right. No. And don't think no. that it's okay. Like it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to get help. It's okay to receive it. Right. That's 100. what it's about too. Yeah. And that yes. to me really relates to the work that I do when parents are struggling with their kids and struggling in their parenting. It's okay mm. to ask for help. It's okay. That's what I'm here yeah. for, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think, well, I think generationally, you know, um, I think my parents' generation, uh, it, it's, it's, it's all about kind of, you know, grin and bear it and right. make it work and, mm -hmm. you know, do it on your own and you're weak if you ask for help, help right? right? The the boomer generation, I mean, for better <laughs> or worse, they're the hardest working generation, but they're really hard on themselves and they, mm -hmm. and they don't ask for help. Um, and we could not have done this on our own. We, no. we wouldn't have had you know, the resources, I knew that I needed advice. And that, that first weekend that he was diagnosed, I called Eric, I called another friend, uh, Marie, who her dog had gone through um, leukemia. Uh, and, and she connected me with a doctor in New York, who then 
connected me with the radiologist, uh, yeah, radiologist and, um, oh, I'm sorry, oncologist in California who we ended up seeing, who then led to, so it was just kind of this like ping pong, mm. you know, um, of people who I just said, who can help, you know, mm. how do we, how do we do this? Who, who can help and who, who will be helpful? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the other part too, right? Sometimes people can help, but they're just not willing to be helpful. Um, mm. So yeah, we really had to find the people who, who wanted who the helpers who wanted to help. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, look, I, I can, I, I can totally relate to that even with our own struggles in, in our family, with our parenting and stuff, because we have had come across people that are like, no, no problem. I, I have a child that has some special needs and, and, sure. you know, it's really tough. You've got to fight and, and you're, you know, you're, you're only going to get better as, as, as much fight as you have, if that makes sense, right? As much yeah. as you're willing to fight is, is how much better you're going to get in some cases, right? And yeah. so I feel like we drew these beautiful people to us that we now have in our lives. And I'm sure that's the same wow. for you, right? It's so, so very true. Um, when you meet the helpers, you know, who, who are willing to help, who are in the fight with you, um, yeah, it's all about that human connection, you know, right? And, and it's and it's like restorative in a way. You're like, oh, okay, thank God. They also want the healing to happen. And they're going to, you know, uh, lead us, you know, or guide us in a way. Because, yeah, essentially we had no roadmap, right? There, there was no map. I was searching online. I was searching for like, you know... Uh, dogs and, and brain tumors and, mm. and how do they recover and life expectancy and all of this. And it's, it's very, uh, grim. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say that the, the research oh. is very grim, but, um, again, the internet is a powerful thing. I, <laughs> I just connected with someone in Los Angeles through Instagram, through the book, um, who, I reached out to, um, because they had posted that their dog was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I just gave her all of my resources. I said, look, I was there, you know, I, I get it. Uh, there's no map, no one's guiding you. Um, and here, please, you know, if, if, everything that we went through, um, if it can help, it was worth it. Yeah, right. Yeah, if it yeah. can help you not <laughs> struggle in the way that we did, then, you know, Hugo's fight, you know, obviously serves this greater purpose, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah. That's pretty special. That's pretty special. And Thanks, I'm, glad that he, I'm glad he lived a full life and, that, yeah. you know, that, that there is such a beautiful message around him and you too. Thank you. Like that, this didn't happen without your dedication to him. And that's what we Thank do you. for our beautiful animals. You know, I have a squishy face. Oh, I was telling you earlier, I have a, I yes. have a, I have a Boston uh, terrier and he's, we kind of call him a Boston terrible sometimes as much as we oh, love him. Yeah. He's kind of a terrible dog, but his name is Zeppelin. And we just like, I mean, he is like the mascot for our family, right? Our, our, our lives revolve around this dog. We that's love it. Him so much. Yeah. That's, that's the way, that is the way they are. You know, if they, they, they command a, uh, 
uh, a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, the connection that you have with them is that much stronger because of it, because they're always engaging you. Hugo would never let me slack off or, or, or rest. <laughs> Uh, if I was on my computer, if I was working, if I was memorizing lines, you know, he was with me in LA when I first got the job and I moved to LA and we moved there together. And, and I remember having to occupy him, uh, much like a toddler, I had to find yeah. a way to occupy him as I was line learning in the beginning. Um, and I would just throw this Frisbee down my hallway in my apartment and he would probably chase it for at least half an hour. Uh, we would do that half an hour, like four times a day because I needed to tire him out. I had to find a way to tire him out. Yeah. He loved the Frisbee game and that allowed me to learn my lines as I was doing this. I was like multitasking. <laughs> That's awesome though. I love it. I love, and I know yeah. if, if you don't pay attention, they get destructive, right? Or Ooh, yeah. 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 So no, that's good. Okay. So speaking of learning lines, can we switch gears to, um, your yeah. other love, which is acting and NCIS Los Angeles. Yeah. And so, okay. So Great. we have kind of some big news, right? With your we role. Do. Now. Okay. Yes. So, so shall we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Of so, course. I, yeah. You go so ahead. I think, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. It's big news. You're absolutely right. It's, it's 11 years in the making. Um, you know, this season was just such a pleasure. We really developed Nell. Uh, she really took on this role of leadership in Hetty's absence. Mm. Um, we, we got to see her in, in a different light, which was so, it was so lovely and it was just so good to stretch my muscles in that way. Mm. Um, and to act with, you know, some of our, our, our regulars that obviously, you know, over the years I hadn't had such meaty scenes with. And mm. this season I really got to have more meaty scenes because I was in this leadership role, which was really kind of empowering. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the door is always open for now at NCIS LA. But I think for now, you know, it's time for Renee and for now to kind of like seek other adventures. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a director. I, you know, I'm a storyteller um, mm. in that way. And I have been part of this show, which I'm so grateful for my time at this show. I've learned so much. I, it was like a little film school for me, really. Over the course of the show, I made two short films. I made a feature film that went to South by Southwest, the film festival, and um, then got distribution and is on Hulu. Uh, it's called The Relation Trip. Um, and it's a surreal comedy. But I, I got to, you know, if I hadn't had the show, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to, you know, yeah. be creative outside of the show in that way. Well, um, and because... Yeah, because I had the stability of the show so I could take these risks outside of the show. And and that really led Chris and myself now to um, to uh, become writing partners. And that's our main focus now. So we are developing television. 
Yeah. That is so yeah. exciting. I'm so excited for you. So it must Thank have been you. a little bittersweet to have this season where you really had this empowering yes. role and more meaty scenes and all that, but you did have a beautiful exit. So were you happy with the way that you left the show, knowing that there is like that little bit of a door open for you to come back if you wanted to, yeah. or even cameos or little scenes yeah. here or there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I think, you know, it really was Nell's episode. And um, we really haven't seen that in the series. So I thought it was such a great way to go out. You know, she had this really big decision to make um, and she's a people pleaser, much like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of, uh, you know, type A, uh, the overachieving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, type people often are people pleasers and so, I think it was written in a really uh, beautiful way. You know, she wanted nothing more than to um, fulfill her mentor's wish, but ultimately she had to kind of answer to herself, right? Mm -hmm. She had to find her voice and say, is this really what I want to do for the next 40 years of my life? Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is probably the first job she ever had right out of school, just like it was the first job really I had had uh, right out of drama school. So, mm. you know, I think she kind of came to this like fork in the road and said, I either take the, you know, the stable um, kind of promised uh, career path or I take a left turn and I find out for myself, like what else this thing can do, you know? So, yeah. So yeah, it, it's very similar. It, it's, it's, there's, there's many parallels, um, obviously yeah, between myself that. and Nell. Uh, so now's the time, you know, now's the, the time is right. Um, I've laid the groundwork in the work that Chris and I have done together. So yeah, fingers crossed, uh, you'll be seeing some content from us real soon. Oh, I <laughs> feel like that's going to be a thing for sure. And, and please let me know. I'll, uh, I'd love to, yes. I'd love to know what you do. I'd love to. Would love to. Yeah. And so as a fan myself and for all of your fans, how have they reacted to your departure? Oh my goodness. It's been overwhelming. The warmth. It's just, Aww. uh, it's so touching. It really is. I, you know, it's sometimes it's funny, you know, because it's a television show and the audience obviously isn't present while we're filming. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, theater, I, I grew up doing theater. So, you know, instantly if you connect to the audience. So there really is, there's, there's this gap, there's this distance, but now through Instagram, I mean, yeah. it's this instant kind of, kind of reaction that we, we can, can witness, you know, in this way. And so there's just been, like I said, this outpouring of love and affection for Nell and support and mm. also, yeah, support for myself in this new venture that you like, you know, kind of I'm deciding to take. So yeah. it's, um, it's just been incredibly warm and supportive. And I'm so thankful, you know, for our audience, they've stuck with Nell and they've respected her and they've, they've valued her intelligence. Mm. Um, I'm just so grateful. I've been able to play the smart girl for so <laughs> long, uh, yeah. you know, because oftentimes, you know, uh, I don't know, we, 
we're, we're not, we're not as lucky as actors. We're part of someone else's vision, right? We're part of someone else's story and we don't get to pick and choose. And, um, but in this case, I'm just so grateful that I've been, you know, I've been playing the smart girl for a long time. Mm. And I think, uh, I'll share a story with you. Um, I was in New York not long ago in, in the city, not long ago, just before the pandemic. And someone uh, kind of barked at me. <laughs> I was online in a coffee shop and they kind of barked at me like from behind. And they said, hey, are you Nell Jones from NCIS Los Angeles? And I was like, oh God, what did I do wrong? I know uh, I did, you know, I'm a New Yorker. New Yorkers like don't pull their punches. They're like, yeah. I'm going to tell you what you just did wrong. You just cut me online. You just did this. You didn't, you know, I'm thinking, I'm just rattling off like the what ifs, what, what did I do? Yeah. And, um, I turned around kind of like bracing for impact and this woman, um, super gruff, tough woman says to me, I just want to let you know that, uh, I didn't know what to do with my 12 year old. She was not like any of the other kids in her class. She's into science. She's into forensics. Uh, she's into computers. I don't know anything about that stuff. But Nell Jones, um, you know, kind of gave her permission to keep exploring her interests. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if my time on the show, yeah. oh my gosh, what a gift. If my time on the show helped a a 12 year old girl to build her confidence and to, and to find her path, um, you know, in, in her chosen, you know, interests. Oh my goodness. What a gift. I mean, yeah. that's wow. really it. Yeah. And <laughs> visibility is everything, right? I mean, to see a young woman in this, in this role and she is oftentimes, you know, the, the brightest bulb in the room. Um, I think that's really super important, especially for, young people, you know, for, for the 10 year olds who are now 20, you know, 20, 21 year, year olds who are, are, you know, entering the workforce and, and it has influenced those people. And, um, it, it's incredible. It's mind blowing to think of it like that. Yeah. And how, how cool that she ran into you. I mean, that is pretty serendipitous, right? <laughs> <laughs> it really is because nobody also nobody recognizes me because I look like this when I'm in my regular life. I don't look like Nell Jones. Nell Jones has bangs and Nell Jones yeah. is like very like put together and I'm very much like not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I never recognized. So you're right. It was very serendipitous and it was very touching and meaningful yeah. to me and and she was a really cool, cool mom. Um, and I'm just, I'm really glad that I got to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's touching. And, and so validating too, right? That, you know, your work yeah. matters and, and clearly you're getting love in all areas from the book to the show. And it's so well-deserved. Thank so you. I Thanks just, Robin. I think this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope everybody's enjoyed listening to you because it's fascinating what you've been through and what you've learned and how you've turned that into something really good and really beautiful. 
Um, I just think that's the best. And I'm so glad you are getting so much love. You deserve it. You absolutely do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We just, you know, with the book, we just want to encourage, um, kind of curiosity, really, I think across all ages, right. Um, let's not let someone else define our obstacles for us. Let's not Mm. let someone else Mm. deter us from, uh, you know, trying to see the other side, uh, or, or seek, seek the other side of our own impossible thing. Let's, let's go for it ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's encourage that inquisitive thinking because we find, you know, the people who find the answers in life, or I've found the people who find the answers in life are usually the ones who will be willing to ask the questions. Mm. Right. Bravery, curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's all wrapped into that. So I, I think about Hugo every day, obviously, Mm, and um, he's a major inspiration to me. And I hope that, that, you know, Hugo and the impossible thing will be a major inspiration to others. Really? Well, it is, it it is not just beautiful to read. It's beautiful to look at. And uh, I, and so, so where can people get the book? Yes. Um, Shout out to Sydney Hansen, our incredible illustrator. Uh, Mm. She really, she really created the modern classic that we were hoping for. Yeah. yeah, We wanted it to feel like a storybook that we grew up with, but we also Mm. wanted it to have like a fresh kind of modern twist. Um, so the book is, uh, released by Penguin Random House and it is available anywhere books are sold, which is incredible. That's amazing. That anywhere, is so Anywhere wonderful. books are sold. Yeah. You can check out our website, hugoandtheimpossiblething.com. And we have links to really everywhere it's sold. Um, independent bookstores, obviously that's always our kind of first suggestion. Mm-hmm check out your independent bookstore. If they don't have it in stock, they can order it and it could be there Mm. in like two to three days, which so great to support them, especially at this time after the year and a half we've had. Um, Mm. But, but then again, it's also in, you know, the big box stores, the targets, the Walmarts, the, this, the, that. So if that's more convenient for you, but um, Amazon, but uh, yeah, check it out. That's wonderful. And again, it's relatable to so many different circumstances. So it is something you want to instill in your kids, right? It's bravery. It's curiosity. Like I just said, it's also, you know, having a village. Yeah. Yeah, Having team, accepting help, asking for help, you know, all of this stuff. It's great. I'd love to see Hugo in more adventures. Maybe is that, is that something you're thinking of? Yay! For (laughs) sure. For sure. We would love to see to see Hugo, um, out there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, and, really and we're cool. also, yeah, fingers crossed, maybe something animated. Ooh, what? Okay. All right. Well, that is all such wonderful stuff to look forward to. Thank you so much for being here, Renee. I so Thank appreciate you, you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for your time. Thank you for what you're doing for this next generation of parents and <laughs> children who are the children and the parents who are really benefiting from your, your work. So I, I thank you. <laughs> That's so nice. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. 
I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.